Hi, this is Megan from the Mido Podcast, and you are going to be listening to Chronically April um, for our next episode. And she talks about her diagnosis, her daily life. We talk a lot about supplements and different things, and she has um, a memoir that she's currently writing. So listen and enjoy. Hi, you're listening to the Mido Podcast. This is Ashley. And I'm Megan. And today our guest's name is April. She has the IG Instagram chronically April. Uh, she is a Mito warrior and she is currently working on her memoir. So she's an aspiring author. And we're excited for whenever you um, are completed with that so that we can read it. Um, hi, April. How are you doing? Hello, ladies. I'm pretty good today. You know, I typically have this saying around here that I'm like, well, today's not my worst day. Today's not my best day. So I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And every day is totally different. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a surprise on what to expect, right? It is. It is. Um, you know, the fact that I can be here and sitting up and talking to you today, that's, that's a win because that maybe wouldn't be able to happen every day for me. So <laughs> I'm excited that the you know, universe aligned and let us be here today. Yeah, us too. We're very excited. Now, I found you through Instagram, which I mentioned before is chronically April. Um, do you want to give us just like a, a, a brief layback of um, how you, you found out about your mitochondrial? Is it a mitochondrial disease or mitochondrial dysfunction? Good question. Um, <laughs> I guess I have never really been you know, made aware of the difference, the distinction on that. But basically I, I have um, complex four dysfunction or disease. And so the important enzyme cytochrome C oxidase is deficient for me at about 40% deficient. So basically I'm only running about 60% of someone, you know, my age which I feel every day. <laughs> and how did you find all this out? Like what, um, when did you first start feeling symptoms or has this something that you've been fighting with? Well, I mean, obviously it's your whole life, but when did the actual like symptoms start? Yeah. So I say that basically I've been symptomatic daily symptomatic for 16 years now. So that's when, you know, the ugly thing really flared its head on us, but I can. And so, okay. So I'm 39 now. So that was when I was 25, right. 24 doing the math, right. <laughs> and math, not my strong suit, obviously. And, you know, but looking back now, we see all kinds of symptoms since I was a child. My very first symptom I remember was actually at nine years old. I had some just weird heart feelings, you know, it's kind of like what I said when I was a kid, I was like, mom, my, my heart feels weird. And you know, understanding now it was a heart arrhythmia. It was having, you know, neurological issues with the rhythm of my heart. And so there was many things. And then looking back, I can really see, I started to struggle a lot in high school. I did, I did well, and I was pretty well an average kid up until high school. And then it was just really sacked with a lot of viruses, you know, like everybody would get mono in school, it would go around, but then everybody would be better in a couple of weeks. And like April would be sick for like months, you know, and then I'd get it again, somehow and again. And, and so I started to miss some days of school. And, 
really just really felt tired a lot, you know, and just of course being young then didn't understand energy and everything. So I wasn't obviously too great at sleep etiquette at a, as a teenager, you know? <laughs> so like, I remember Monday mornings were really hard because Saturday and Sunday, you'd be busy, like playing with your friends. And, you know, I was working too then and just doing stuff and staying up too late. And then Mondays I'd be like, I can't get up for school. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the beginnings of it all. But sometime around 24, 25, I just really started getting a lot of weird neuro feelings and stuff like creepy crawly sensations and like sharp shooting electric burning pain and everything. And I was pretty aware at that point in time, like something's definitely going on with me. And then I suddenly just got hit with some vertigo that came on suddenly. And it just lasted for like 48 hours that the room just continued spinning and spinning and spinning. And I remember just like being on the floor and like, what is happening? I didn't even know the word vertigo then, you know, and for anyone listening, that's just means basically your equilibrium's off and the whole, you, you feel like your whole world is spinning. So that was kind of the start of like, okay, something is definitely wrong here. Rush off to my primary physician, you know, and start the battery of testing. And how long did it take from um, when you first had that meeting, like when all the testing started to when you finally got your diagnosis? That was a painful five-year process for me. (laughs) Five-year odyssey. The odyssey is, is definitely really true. And you know, the, one of the things that really is hard for me when I look back in my story is ironically, I ended up at the right place within about a year. My neurologist that I had gotten at the time, and I was just living in this really small Florida town at the time, but he was very, very, very good, very knowledgeable. And he really like looked deep into things. And he had actually sent me to Atlanta, Georgia to Emory hospital for muscle biopsy. this was only about one year into the journey. Um, However, the doctor that performed the muscle biopsy and the exercise test, I think it's called like a CPET based on the findings for whatever reason, I'm, you know, unclear still today, but for whatever reason, he did not think I had mitochondrial disease at that time. I have since looked back at my muscle biopsy and it clearly shows ragged red fibers, which is a big sign of mito. Um, and I had low CoQ10 amounts in my muscle and I had low carnitine levels in my muscle. And the ironic thing, I think that made him decide it wasn't despite those, those, you know, seemingly significant findings was actually the exercise test, because I think I somehow managed because, you know, because it was unknown, like I just, I had been undiagnosed since, since I was a kid. Right. So I think I somehow managed to be like the most physically fit mito patient yet, because I literally three years before this, I was training to be a fitness um, performer, like a fitness competitor. (laughs) So I was working out every day and weightlifting and I was just huge into fitness. So I don't know. I I still don't know, like I said, but I feel like the exercise test kind of made him unsure, you know, of the diagnosis because I performed so well on it. <laughs> that's really interesting because right when you said um, you're complex four, that's exactly what my son is. And the only 
diagnosis tool that actually diagnosed him with it was his muscle biopsy. He's since had so many different genetic tests and nothing shows up. Um, so literally his diagnosis is solely based off of that muscle biopsy. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, and every, every physician is different. So this, this doctor, you know, he clearly weighed quite a bit on that exercise testing too. And, you know, like I said, because I had been, you know, I had been an athlete. I mean, I was track and field and soccer, dance, gymnastics, ballet, like everything. I, I was so active. I just think that somehow, despite the dysfunction, I stayed in a really high, you know, athletic performing form. <laughs> so the evidence was clear in my muscle, but not clear in my performance. I could still, you know, out exercise a lot of people my age because I also was really dedicated to my nutrition. I was, you know, I was in it. I was going to win competitions in my mind. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was, I was very near a diagnosis one year in, but then once, once the diagnosis was, oh, it's not that, then I was back to the beginning. And then it was just four more years until finally, basically I circled back around to mitochondrial disease based on testing from a geneticist. And at that time she found this was, you know, four years later, she now found low levels of carnitine in my blood system. Whereas my initial testing didn't show that it only showed it in the muscle. So obviously once I was progressing four years more in things were sl slipping, you know, <laughs> my health was deteriorating. So do you take any, do you have like your own mito cocktail now that kind of, um, helps? I mean, I know it's different for every person. So do you have any, like a choice set of vitamins that you take that might help more than others? Absolutely. I wish all the listeners could see right now. This is my mito box for the day. <laughs> and so I'll explain it to them because it's literally a, a few years ago, I had to figure out how to upgrade because standard medication boxes were not cutting it anymore. So I went to like a, um, sports store and I found a small fisherman's tackle box. <laughs> so it's got 12 compartments and 10 of those are filled with different things. So yeah, you know, because it's been so long and there's no FDA approved treatment yet, the only thing I've had to rely on is food and supplements. So I've really, I've played around with lots of different supplements and researched and worked with my doctors and, you know, I'm kind of basically on like the full dose of everything that you can be <laughs> for mito support, just anything that improves digestion and, you know, cellular energy. I'm on it. <laughs> so did you so find knowing that, sorry, oh, it's going to get loud. Megan, you talk. <laughs> Um, I was just going to say, so what is daily life like for you now? Um, obviously we, a lot of us have experience with children, obviously my son uh, has mitochondrial dysfunction, but you know, we don't, we don't get to talk to very many adults or see very many adults. So what is, what is just an average day like for you? Yeah, I actually, I actually thought of you earlier today when I was kind of mentally getting in the mode for the podcast and thought how important this would be for you or any other parents with younger people struggling with mitochondrial disease, because, you know, you want, just like any parent, you want to know their future and what mm. it looks like. So I'm glad that, you know, we can talk, um, you know, so for me, my current 
health declines about every six months. So I'm sort of perpetually in a world of needing to morph my day and my life. So it's been, you know, it's been a struggle. I mean, there's no other way to put it, but basically I did manage to graduate college and work for three and a half years in my field. And then I just couldn't keep up with the daily work and stress. So after that, I kind of just, um, I I got lucky that social media was starting to boom at that time. And so I started a little home business and doing social media and, you know, I am on social security disability. I've had to, you know, rely on that support. Um, so obviously there's limits to my working just economically because of that, but obviously there's just, you know, physical limits. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of what I still do. And that's changed a lot through the years, you know, exactly what I'm doing online and for work and my abilities, but I still really, I just try so hard every day to live the most normal life possible. So I, I make myself a routine and I get up in the morning and have my breakfast and I usually have a little bit of energy in the morning. So that's when I try to like walk the dog or maybe I'll like, go to my garden and do a little few things and, and hydrate electrolytes, food, all my morning supplements. And then I really have to sit for a period of time. It's usually like two to three hours of quiet, very quiet computer work before I can get up and shower. And then I had enough energy to shower and dress and groom and, you know, some days put on makeup most of the time, not, (laughs) (laughs) and then back to the computer and just, again, quiet, you know, type of work for a while. And then I have a lunch break and I go outside and eat. And then I try to move again. I try to walk. I try to do something, you know, a little bit of physical therapy exercise or out in my yard and then back to the computer for a few more hours. And it isn't until for me about, like I I had told you guys when I was scheduling this, until about two or three in the afternoon where I start to get enough energy that I can talk to people and really start to um, do some harder mental work and some more engaging stuff. And so I try to lump anything that I need to do that's kind of more stressful or engaging between those hours of like two to eight. And that's like my most functional time. And then, you know, it's dinner and kind of winding down for the day and then do it all over again. Um, you know, up until a few years ago, a few years ago, I was, I was more mobile And so I was getting out more and doing some things here and there. But at this point, I really classify myself as homebound because I can't drive any longer. I don't have the cognitive ability to like think quickly enough to be safe on the road. And also my um, my arms and my core are just really weak at this point. So basically lost my ability to drive about three years ago. Um, so now, you know, I get out limitedly when someone wants to like drive me to a park or something or go to a doctor appointment. But for the most part, I just, I'm here and I'm just trying to make the best of my, my home. And I try to kind of, you know, make home life like a little adventure. Um, I had a question about your vitamins. Sorry to go backwards. Um, okay. So as I know you said that you were training for like fitness competitions and things like that. So when you, when you started introducing your own mito cocktail, was there a lot of 
crossover, like where there are a lot of things that you were already taking when you were competing or training to compete that you realize like, oh my gosh, I'm using the same stuff. I'm already using half of this stuff. And then you just ended up keeping it within your cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been nodding my head and smiling this whole time because yes, absolutely. It was, you know, some of the things I didn't, I didn't know because I, I, it's not like I'd been deep into the fitness world too long. I just kind of started trying for a few years, but certainly some of the things I was already doing, like the protein powders and just learning how to harness the power of protein as like a really good satiary between meals and before working out. And I was starting to understand amino acids, some and BCAAs, which is like a big, you know, gym rat thing. Um, so I definitely had a little bit of understanding there and I think that was good. It helped me my mindset just helped me embrace all of the supplements and the importance of them, which I think is a big challenge in the mitochondrial disease world. I, I still, I still struggle with it today with family members, like extended family members, um, literally someone, I'm not going to name names, but literally someone just a couple of weeks ago said, is she taking too many supplements maybe? And they're counteracting her medicines, you know, like as part of why I'm struggling so bad. Right. So, you know, there, there's just a subset of people that just don't believe in the power of supplements and they're just so allopathic medicine or conventional medicine minded that, you know, if it's not a pill from the bottle, from the pharmacy, from the doctor, then it's not worth anything. Right. So, but my, my mindset was, you know, different than that. So I I greatly embraced the supplements and I can still, I can tell you, I still remember taking the first prescribed carnitine supplements um, once we found the deficiency and the geneticist had, had prescribed it to me. And it was, it was like a shock to my body. I remember I took the, just the one pill and it was within minutes, suddenly like my vision was like more clear and my brain felt weird. My throat and my tongue felt weird. And so at first it was kind of scary. Like I got a little panicky because I was like, whoa, what's happening here? But later on, my geneticist, when I'd followed back up, had explained to me, she said, your body was so deficient in that for so long that when we started to give it to you and give you the level you're supposed to have, literally my eyes could see better. My brain could function better. I could hear better. My throat and my taste was better. Like, Every, so it was very significant for me. I'm, I'm one of the few people that I've ever heard actually feel that big of a difference, but I mean, it was, it was a big difference for me. I was able to, once I got properly diagnosed and got on all of the core mito supplement stuff, I was able to start improving my health for a while. Like there was, there was not continual decline for about four years. I was able to slowly improve, 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 and kind of stabilize and stay out of the hospital and everything. So it was really profoundly helpful for me. I'm glad that you explained it that way, because um, like you said, like it, it, it it helps certain people. It doesn't help others. You kind of have, it's a trial basis. You have to try it, see if it's going to work. And I think it's really hard for parents to understand that because they're not the one taking it. They're not the one feeling it, but like, for Angie, when, when she got her G tube and she got her first dose, it was the same. It was just for me as a mom, 
I saw the change like a hundred percent. Like it was crazy just the effect it had on her. And I know that it, again, doesn't for all our listeners, it might it's actually a twofer. So one, you might not see the reaction right away. It might be something that needs to build up or you might need to find the right dosage, all of that. And, um, but for, for us, it was literally immediate. Like the first dose Angie had, she smiled for the first time and it was just Oh, yeah. To see that, I was like, oh my God, you mean yeah. I've been depriving her of this vitamin for so long because I was scared of getting her a feeding tube just to get it, get those vitamins in her. It was, it was just amazing. So it's awesome to hear you say, like, when you had that first dose, what the changes were that you were feeling. And um, yeah. a lot of our, our kids, they, they can't explain that. They can't tell you what's different, you know? That's true. That's true. And, you know, of course, you both know that children affected it's, it's more severe and dramatic than most adults. So I think I, I was in this really unique place that, you know, I was a young adult, but I, it was pretty, you know, significantly impactful for me. So I kind of had more of those similar responses and then also the adult intellect to explain it. Yeah. Right. Right. I also <laughs> wanted to put, sorry, Megan. <laughs> One last loose comment and then we could totally move on. But I wanted to go back to one more time with the the vitamins that you were taking before you find out about Mito and the ones that you like carried on or that you started taking after when Angie first got her like set of vitamins that we were supposed to give her. That was one of the things that was so crazy to me because I did the same. I was doing fitness competition and everything that I took was pretty much like what they told me Angie needed to take. And I was just surprised. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I was surprised. It was definitely something that was like in the back of my head thinking, okay, I, I take this for energy. I take this for this. So I don't know why I was so surprised. Like, oh, my daughter needs to take the same stuff. That's crazy. And it was also super reassuring because one, I already had taken half the stuff that we were going to give her. And knowing that it was a proven thing to help with energy or, or like muscle breakdown or um, anything like that. So it was cool to know that, Hey, I've already tried this out on my own body. I'm comfortable giving this to my child, you know? Yeah, true. Megan, what were you going to say? Now that say interesting, um, just along the vitamins, uh, because Troy started, uh, he was diagnosed when he, um, around two, and none of his, and he's nonverbal and none of his levels for anything were ever measured. Um, and so when he took, started the, the, um, oh my gosh, all the supplements, we didn't, we didn't really know, you know, if there was, I didn't necessarily see, um, a huge difference. And he was actually, he was pretty healthy. It just, his progression was a little bit slower. So, um, you know, and he wasn't necessarily obviously walking at, at, uh, two independently and he still doesn't, but, um, so we, we never knew. And I know there's been, there's been a couple of different trials that have come along, along the way. And one of the things that you would have to do is completely take them off their supplements to mm-hmm. you know, put, to put them through this trial. And that was always, because <laughs> I thought, I have no idea if this stuff is really working, but I also don't want to know that it, that it is working in the sense of taking it right. off declines because he's been 
you know, pretty healthy. And so that's kind of a scary thing. And I know that um, in doing, uh, seeing a couple other mito doctors, some of them really do measure all the levels that before they give out any of the supplements. And I thought that is such a good thing that doctors should do <laughs> instead of just, oh, here's this, uh, you know, cocktail that we want you to take. And we don't know if your son is, you know, has a carnitine deficiency or not, or, you know, needs this, but um, I mean, none of them are harmful necessarily. So it's not in that sense, but just to really see like, is this something that is going to actually help? Like, I just, I wish they would do um, a little bit more of measuring all the levels and things. And some doctors do, I mean, ours didn't, but um, you know, I just think it would be a good place to start to really see the effectiveness of some of these supplements. But like I said, I'm thankful that none of them are, are harmful. And like Ashley said, you know, she's taken plenty of them. So she knows the effects and things. And for us, it was just like, well, we're going to do whatever we need to do because we have no idea about this disease or what is going to happen. And so whatever you tell us, we're going to do. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> yeah, anything that's going to help. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, I had seen, I had seen a couple geneticists that really did that and kind of tested everything and all the amino acids every like six months. And, you know, also things are, things are fluctu fluctuating in the body, even when we're on these supplements every day. And, you know, now I've just been dealing with this so long that I don't retest any of that stuff anymore. I just, like I said, I'm, I've gotten my doctors to work with me and we're, I'm on like the max dose of all of the supportive stuff and, and just, you know, getting through the day and waiting for these clinical trials to end and these medications to become available because yes, there, there actually is a clinical trial going on right now in my city for, uh, uh the, a Stellis pharmaceutical company. Um, and I haven't called to inquire to find out the details yet. I, I need to push myself to do that actually, but if coming off all the supplements is required, then I definitely will not because I know for my body, these things are, you know, about the only things keeping me going. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, if it would have been a few years ago, I definitely could have, but at this point I'm so significantly affected. Like my breathing is even affected at this point. So there's no way that I can risk any type of crash coming off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but you know, another thing, uh, point to what you said that one of my geneticists explained to me years ago that was super helpful to me was understanding that when they're checking our blood levels or even our urine levels of these different vitamins and amino acids, we're, they're, they're seeing what is free in the body system, what's free in the blood system um, or coming out through the urine. And really for mitochondrial disease patients, our problem is not what's free in our system. Our problem is what's in our cells. And you know, they're, they don't have, they don't do that. Like there's no way to te test actually what's inside that cell, unless you're doing like a muscle biopsy, of course, which is why they do muscle biopsies. So he gave me the perspective that, you know, if we just keep testing things, like as I progress, sometimes these levels could actually increase in my blood system. And it, and it could look like I have more B vitamins and D vitamins and carnitines and all of this. Um, because it's getting more and more difficult for my body to put that into the cells where it belongs. So it's just going in my system and I'm just peeing it right out. Oh, yeah. So that gave me a nice perspective to just kind of let go and try to not mentally worry about all those levels and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners or any advice that you wanted to give? Oh, goodness. Oh, there's, there's so much. <laughs> oh, I feel like, you know, you could just talk on and on and on about this thing. But, you know, if I were to synopsize some words of wisdom here and advice, I would say, you know, hope is actually truly here. Finally, you know, I've been at this for now 11 years since I've been diagnosed and the early days were really hard because there was nothing, there was nothing even in the pipeline, you know? So to see two active medications in clinical trials right now with end dates, like right around the corner, you know, finally, I just know in my heart that hope is really here and these medications will be here soon. So, you know, because I know it's a daily fight with this thing every single day and friends and family do not understand that we're waking up every day on the battlefield. And, you know, so it's just helpful, really, really helpful to, to remember that hope. I actually created a bottle. I took one of my empty supplement bottles and I wrapped it with a piece of paper and I wrote mito treatment on it. And that bottle sits in my kitchen every day so that I can look at it and remember that as I'm continuing to progress and decline and lose my ability to drive and walk and if my breathing gets much worse, I'm going to be on a part-time ventilator soon, you know, dealing with these really big, hard things. I can look at that bottle and remind myself that it's coming. It's, it's close around the corner and there's going to be more help soon. I think that's beautiful. Yes. It is. We, we have a lot of research and different things um, with the EF and so many others that now it's, it's, becoming more commonplace that there are all these trials and different things. So it's definitely very hopeful to see what could be right around that corner. Yeah. Mito action always, you know, leads with hope is on the horizon. And I, you know, I finally feel that I didn't feel that for a long time, but finally feel that coming. And so it's, a we're living a really interesting life right now. I'm, I'm engaged. My fiance and I've been together six years. And we have this sort of life plan going on that accommodates for my continued decline because that's been our reality for the last six years together. But then we have this little secret life plan that we're heading up in our minds with me getting treatment and seeing how much better I could get and how much life we could get back together. So, you know, in in moments of really tough despair sometimes and languishing I try to really hone into that and think, you know, even as ridiculously insanely hard this has been, and I would have never, ever chosen this, but <laughs> I try to let my mind be a little bit curious about, well, you know, I'm getting to live a really interesting life right now. Who else could say that they're kind of not sure if they'll be living a few more years or they're not sure if they're going to get this magical pill and their whole life's going to come back, <laughs> you know, so only God knows, right? So we'll see. Well, congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's so exciting. Yeah. Do you guys have a date set? No, unfortunately, because my health right now is so unstable and unpredictable. I am, I'm not, you know, setting like a wedding date because there's too many days that I'm literally just stuck in bed. (laughs) And so I don't want to risk like, you know, that kind of crushing, um, you know, 
disappointment of, oh crap, it was supposed to be our wedding day. And yeah, it's just not possible in our current situation. So, you know, that's, that's on one of the, when I get treatment plans, (laughs) (laughs) we'll, we'll start to have vacations. Like we haven't been on a vacation in four years and, you know, yeah, just the, our daily lives are really battling this thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's consuming. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I am excited for you. So again, congratulations. That's, that's something exciting to celebrate. Thank you. You know, and it, and it's making a really interesting book too. So that's why I'm writing my memoir and (laughs) I hope it, I hope it will be a real source of, you know, inspiration to people that read it eventually when I get it out there. And, and I really, I keep saying to the world and the universe, you know, like I'm ready for the plot twist because the plot twist will be to get treatment and get a lot of, you know, life back. So (laughs) we'll see if I get my great plot twist or not. Yeah. Let us know how it's going in. And when you're done with it, we both would love to read it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming and joining us on the Mito podcast. If you're listening if you have any ideas or if you want to reach out, you can find us at mitopodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple, all the places. <laughs> um, thank you, April. We really appreciate it. And again, listeners, if you want to find her on Instagram, it is chronically April. Yes, you're welcome. Great thank to you. virtually meet you both. Yes, and thank you, you so much. You can have me back anytime. Mm-hmm.